These are not heathens he's telling them to listen to. He's telling them, be careful when someone comes speaking in the name of the Lord. And friends, I want you to know, I know that you love me. I know that you're, you're upset with me for what I, I told you Sunday night and I asked you to pray for me and all those things. But I'm telling you, I can get off track. Anyone can get off track. You are responsible for knowing what the Bible says, for being willing to, to receive it and to receive correction. But it's not just about the Bible, it's about everything. How many times have you and I watched something on the news, believed it, and then realized a little while longer, oh, that wasn't real news? I'm not on Facebook, so I don't have that problem anymore. But how many times have you shared something and then you realized a little while longer, oh, that wasn't true? You see, that just makes you look dumb. But sometimes it destroys you, and it can destroy me. It can destroy a family. And so listen here tonight, when it says this, he warns them the reason and response to being in difficulties is don't believe everything that you hear. And friends, you and I as Christians have to have discernment. Satan is the father of what? Lies. And friends, his children do what? And guess what God's children can even do? Lie. And he is saying here, it is not your responsibility to control what other people say. It is your responsibility and my responsibility to take what is said, to process it, and to apply it to our lives. And so today I, I want to challenge you. For the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and your diviners who are in the midst of you deceit you. Not, now don't miss this. I don't want you to miss this here. Nor listen to your dreams which you cause to be dreamed. He says not only should you not listen to them, you should be careful what you tell them. As a pastor, I have more information than I would ever want. And you better hope when I get 90 years old in a nursing home that I don't start to just share it all. Now, some of you might be in the Lord and some of you might be there with me, but that, that's, that would be a bad thing. And friends, I say that because we all have information. It comes to us in every conversation. It comes to us in every sermon. It comes to us on every news program. And we have to be careful because when we share what God has laid on our heart, when, when I know who you are, it is easy to do what to you? manipulate you. If I know your deepest fears and deepest insecurities, I can do what with those? Turn them against you. And I believe that this is multifaceted here, okay? I believe it is the dreams that, 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 that they were having. I believe it is the, the things that God had on their heart. I believe it can encompass many things here. And so be careful what you share because there are people in this world who want to take what you have given them and twist it for their advantage. It's like politicians. They poll you to find out what you want. And then they run on that truth, right? No one hardly in a Republican state is going to run on, I'm going to raise your taxes. If you go to Texas and say, I'm raising all your taxes, I'm opening an abortion clinic on every corner, and we're going to let everybody sneak across the border legal, illegally, what are you going to do in Texas and politics? <laughs> now you go to Connecticut, 
Or let's just use California. You go to California and say, I'm going to cut all your taxes. I'm going to close every abortion clinic. I, I, we're going to build the biggest fence you've ever seen on the southern border. Guess how your election results are going to go. <laughs> Why? Because politicians know what you need. And elections are important. And I say that to you tonight, but not as important as what's in your heart, in your family's heart. And so he says there, be careful who you listen to. And I want you to look at me tonight. That applies to your pastor. It applies to me. It applies to your marriage. It applies to your in-laws. Be careful who you listen to and what you share with others because they prophesy falsely to you in whose name? His name. And so friends, the greatest lie that Satan accomplishes is when he uses just enough religion or just enough God or just enough church to get you to believe a lie. And so he says right here, when you're living in this land in a time of difficulty, you have to respond by being cautious. Thoughts? What I have found is that most of the struggle don't come over the big stuff, right? I mean, if I was to stand up here and say, well, Jesus wasn't the Son of God, you'd all go, whoa! Whoa! And hopefully you would fire me. But there are other things that can be said that's like, well, that sounds kind of right. I don't maybe that is right. And so be careful in the pulpit. Be careful in your Sunday school class. Be careful in your marriage because, friends, who you listen to and how that goes forward affects us. Second thing I want to show you tonight from this text about responding to difficulties is you have to trust God's love and direction to your life. And I, direction in the sense of where God is sending you, what God is doing with you. And that wherever God has you, and whatever path is in front of you, and whatever situation you are going through, God has not stopped loving you in the middle of it. Now, I don't know if you listened to the sermon Sunday night. You probably didn't. You were there. Or maybe it was Sunday morning. I can't remember which sermon it was. Now, there were three W's that I talked to you about that God does in the middle of a trial. Do you remember what they were? Walking. Yeah, walking. Warring. The first one was watching. God sees our difficulties. He walks with us and... Warring was Jacob Gray's words, but the political correct word was working. God doesn't just watch us in our trials and tribulations as, a, as like the... How many of you ever watched Tool Time? Oh, I loved it, didn't you? Ur, 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 ur. But anyway, what did Wilson do, right? He always creepily watched like this, didn't he? Always. He didn't ever help anybody, gave some advice. He never came over that I can remember in an episode. And when he did, he always had his face covered. He watched. And many of us think that's how God does when our life is falling apart, when our marriages are struggling, when our church is hurting. That God's just watching, saying, I wonder how it's going to turn out. I, I wonder what they're going to do. No. He not only watches, but He walks. 
He walks. He's there with us. God, the Bible teaches us that He is omnipresent everywhere, all the time. You say, well, Satan's at. The Bible doesn't teach that Satan's everywhere all the time. There is one who is all places, all time, and that's God. The angels of heaven are not. The demons of hell are not. They are created beings. God alone is with you always. And friends, I know it seems dark sometimes. I know it seems hard. But I'm telling you, God not only watches you, but He walks with you. And not only does He watch and walk, because I don't know if you know this or not, I, uh, I, I, I'm not a big exerciser. I'm trying to do better. You all heard my bicycle story the other night. Um, but you can walk by somebody and you can encourage them, right? You can say, come on now, come on now, don't quit. Don't quit, keep, keep coming. And that's valuable. The Bible says there are people who have the gift of encouragement. I'm not one of them. I'm trying to be better. But I, I want someone who's going to get in the hole and help dig it with me. I want, to, I want someone that's going to be there and help me do the work. And when I get too tired to do any of the work, I want someone there that can do it all. And friends, that's how God is. When you don't feel like you can do another step, another day, another marriage counseling, God works in those situations. And so trust that God loves you and He is walking in with you. And look what it says here in verses 10 through 12. For thus says the Lord, After seventy years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word towards you and cause you to return to this place. For I know that the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope, then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. Now, I want you to hear this because the nation of Israel has been the people of God throughout this Old Testament since God chose them to be His people. They've been in the highs. They've been in the lows. You can read of the story of the judges. You can read all of these situations in Scripture. There's times that... And you can, when you read through the Judges as we're studying in our nightly devotion, you see that God allows them to fall into sin and they run from God and He brings judgment and then what? They call out to Him and He raises up a, a judge, right? This pattern is over and over. We're just in chapter 14 and we have seen it happen at least a dozen times. Over and over again. And in this text, we see here that God, prior to the captivity, He had sent what? Prophet after prophet after prophet after prophet to warn them. And then He says, judgment's coming. And in that time of judgment, He then says what? Thus says the Lord, after 70 years are completed at Babylon... I will visit you and perform my good word towards you and cause you to return to this place. I want you to hear this tonight, that sin always has consequences. But for a Christian, the consequences of sin is never that God stops loving you. The consequences of sin may be temporary for a Christian, but they are never eternal. 
God will never let one of His children go. Now, my mom's here. I'm going to get emotional. You can get over. I don't care. <laughs> I, uh, when I was a freshman and a sophomore in high school, I taught a Bible study before Sundays for, for Sunday school, before church and at lunch. Marlene Kuniko, who was here Wednesday or Sunday morning, said, I remember going to those. And, uh, and then I went through about a six-year period where I didn't want to go to church. I wanted nothing to do with God. I went on Sunday morning when I lived at mom and dad's house because it was not optional, right? And I'm thankful for that, even though I wasn't at the time, okay? Um, but my life fell apart. Uh, ran from God, did everything that mine could imagine. Um, and I'm thankful that God didn't stop loving me. Thankful my mom didn't stop loving me. And that's how we have to remember that even when God is allowing judgment to come, when God is bringing correction in our life, that it is because He loves us. And listen to what it says in verse 11. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. If I'm listening to this, le this letter and I'm having to live in a foreign land, I don't get to see the temple... I, I don't have my way of life. I don't have all the things that I've always had. I am a slave in another country, and God says, I got good thoughts towards you. That's kind of like when your parents say, This bank is going to hurt you, me, a whole lot more than it what? Hurts you. And as a kid, you're thinking, You're a liar. And then you become a parent and you realize, Man, I know you need this. And I know if you don't do, if I don't do this, the consequences of it, but I'm telling you, it breaks your heart. I spank my kids a lot, not as much as Tony does. <laughs> but hers aren't near as hard, apparently, or something. But it breaks my heart. It breaks my heart. And I can't spank them in front of my parents. That's a no-go, <laughs> especially my dad. And that's a whole different ballgame than when I was growing up, but... Um, but it's true. I sit there and I think, this child of mine, I know you need it, but I love you so much, I know what's going to happen. And friends, I want you to hear that because sometimes when life falls apart around you, people betray you, your marriage is a mess, and it's easy to think that how could a God who loves me allow this to happen? And friends, you have to be reminded that God is working it all out. That God has a purpose and a plan to bring glory to Himself. And look what it says there, and not of evil. And we know this is the nation of Israel. It's their promise. But I do not believe that God would promise something to His people in the Old Testament and not still fulfill it in the New Testament. I believe that you can read it in the book of Romans, how God works out all things to the good. I believe that. But I want you to hear this in verse 12 because this is where I believe it comes from God's perspective to ours. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you. Friends, I believe that when God brings correction in all of our lives, when trials and tribulations come, we can say, Lord, here I am. If this is in my life because of my sin, I ask for forgiveness. 
I ask for forgiveness and I want you to teach me whatever it is you want from me. Other times it's not because of our sin, but in those moments we still have to say, God, whatever you want to teach me. And I want to stop right there because that sounds really spiritual, right? But I'm not always there. I have decided that I throw one of the greatest pity parties that you could ever be invited to. I don't want you to be there. I want to throw it by myself. But friends, I want you to hear this tonight. I didn't pick this chapter out. We're going through this book. I didn't plan it for tonight. I believe it is God's word for you, your family, for us tonight. Because God allows these things to come into our life to draw us back to Him. I heard a statement this week, today actually, from a man in our church. He said, Jake, I have prayed more in the last three days and seen more answered prayer than in my entire life. That's just how it goes. I believe that God draws us to Himself not through the blessings of life, but He truly deepens our relationship with Him through the difficulties in life and the tragedies and the heartaches. Because look what it says in verse 13. And I believe it is this, if you're taking notes. God wants you to come to Him. God wants you to come to Him in verse 13. And you will seek Me and find Me. When you search for Me with all your heart, I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back from your captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and from all places where I have driven you, says the Lord, and I will bring you to the place from which I caused you to be carried away captive. I do believe this is a, a promise for immediately, but I also believe it is a, a promise for, for later on. When God brings the Jewish people back at the, uh, in the book of Revelation. Because look what it says here in verse 15. Because you have said, the Lord has raised us up prophets for us in Babylon. Therefore, thus says the Lord concerning the king who sits on the throne of David, concerning all the people who dwell in this city, and concerning your brother who have not gone out with you into captivity. So he once again... He's saying not only to the people in captivity, but there are some people that haven't been taken into captivity. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Behold, I will send on them the sword, the famine, the pestilence, and will make them like rotten figs that cannot be eaten. They are so bad. You say, wait a second. Did, he, did you not just read verse 11? And you're going to make us like rotten figs? Now, I don't eat non-rotten figs. I don't know what the, you know... But I don't want rotten fruit. I don't eat good strawberries. I don't think that's not a vegetable or a fruit. It's a fruit. Okay. But look what it says. And I will pursue them with the sword, with famine, and with pestilence. And I will deliver them to trouble among all the kingdoms of the earth. To be a curse, an astonishment, a hissing, and a reproach among all the nations where I have driven them. And I want you to hear the because. Because they have not heeded my words, says the Lord, which I sent to them by my servants, the prophets, rising up early and sending them. Neither would you heed, says the Lord. Therefore hear the word of the Lord, all you of the captivity whom I have sent from Jerusalem 
to Babylon. He says, I have told you how to live in difficulties in this nation. He said, do the things I've told you to do. Because I'm guessing they're thinking, well, it just can't get any worse. Right? I couldn't have a meaner set of parents. I just, I can't imagine how it could be any worse. And he says, you know what, I, you know what I could be worse? You could have not been taken into captivity. And I know taken's not a word, but it's fitting. <laughs> taken into captivity to my, for my English teachers. He says, it's not going to be good for them either. They're going to be took into captivity. They're, they're going to be all these things. And friends, I want you to hear that today. And I think this is very important for you, for me, for all of us. In this verse, if you look at these verses, how many times it says I in referencing to the Lord. The Lord was having to get the them out of them. And sometimes God has to get the us out of us. And sometimes it takes difficulties, trials, tribulation. How many of you pray more in the blessings or in the tribulations? How many of us draw closer to God in the tribulation, not in the blessings? And if you're going to be spiritual tonight and say, Oh, I'm always closer to God in the blessings. I'm going to humbly call you most likely a liar. I'm not saying you are a liar. I'm just saying probably. I know in every situation in my life, when things are good, I strut just a little bit taller. As Bill Stafford said, Baptists can strut what? Sitting down. And he was right. As a couple, it is easy to go into the community when everything's good at home. It's easy to invite people into your home when things are well. It's wonderful to host people into your home when you've got the money and the beautiful house and, and all of those things. And I know I've told you this many times, and I'll tell it again, I guess. When we first got married, my wife and I, uh, we found a $500 mobile home. This mobile home had had the windows left open all winter. And um, had some snake skin in there. And so I've never been a snake handler, all right? I didn't touch that. And we got the meter loop with it. And as my dad said, the meter loop is worth that itself. And so we hauled this junk little trailer onto my mom and dad's property. Pulled it out behind their house. It was a real beauty on their property, I can tell you. Their property value went way up. And... Uh, and uh, we proceeded to take everything out of it, the floors, the drywall, because, you know, I mean, you leave a windows open through a whole winter, there's all kinds of blessings left in something like that. And, uh, you know, at that time in our life, I thought when that was done, we were living large, right? Now, we, now at that time, we put the cheapest wood floors that you could put in it, right? I mean, literally, we snapped it together and it just floated like this all the time, right? You walked on one end of the living room and it just floated like this, the, the floor did. But at that time, it didn't matter. We was in love. We was freshly married. It, was, it couldn't have got any better. Then a kid came and another kid came, I believe it was. Well, that, that did happen, but I'm not... <laughs> I didn't forget that I had children. Sometimes I forget how many children I have. 
But I'll never forget as, as things started increasing then in 2008 when the stock market and everything collapsed and we're this young couple and I've got a good job. A, a little old house came for sale in Dalgren, 1,100 square feet. Little old lady by the name of Rachel Duncan owned that house and she's the only person that ever lived in it. And so there was one bathroom and one path to the hallway of the living room that had ever been used, right? I thought, boy, we can have this house, $40,000 or forty-eight, whatever it was. I thought, boy, we got that. We, can. we bought that house and we moved in that house. We thought it was everything, right? I'm not living in my mom and dad's backyard anymore. And the longer I lived there, I started thinking, I can't believe I lived back there. What's wrong with me? I'm living large up here. Well, as the third child came and we were pregnant with, she was pregnant. I look like I am pregnant, but <laughs> she was pregnant with the fourth child. It was brought to my attention that uh, 1,058 square feet, which I round up for bragging rights, um, to 1,100 is probably not enough. And so we moved out now to where we live and, and, and I'll drive by the house sometime and be like, how in the world did we fit in that little house? Right, man, that, that, wasn't that something? And I tell you that because this is why. In every one of those situations, I thought we had everything we needed until I got something better. Until I got something better. And what I can tell you now is after paying property taxes, I would go back to that trailer in a heartbeat <laughs> and let my kids sleep at my mom's. <laughs> Now, that's just a joke. I, I do want to live in a trailer, but we could all stay together. It wouldn't bother me at all. I'd sleep here on a regular basis, probably. But I think that's how all of us are. We're thankful what we have until we get something better. And the more we get, the more we look back and think, oh, that wasn't really that great. That really wasn't that big of a blessing. I, you don't realize how good you have it as a, as a child in a home until you become an adult and see what everybody else has to live through. I grew up thinking, well, I don't understand what it means that there is not a mom and dad in the home. I, I don't understand what it means that you have to be taken out of your home because something was done to you by someone that you love. I, mean, I can't imagine like now when kids don't have food when they go home on the weekend. Now there was food in our home that I wouldn't eat when I was a kid. But I, I, I can't imagine. And now that I'm adult, it's just like, holy cow. And friends, what I see in this passage of Scripture, it's, it's a nation who had all of the blessings that God poured out on them. And it wasn't enough until it was gone. And friends, my challenge to you tonight is don't take advantage or for granted the blessings that God has given you. Because when they become more important to you than the blesser, he'll take them from you. And it is in those moments that you look back and say, man, man. But I say that also because, and I want to jump all the way back up to verse 10. For thus says the Lord, after 70 years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you and cause you to return to this place even though we take for granted our blessings and sometimes we go through the mess of it God is not done with us I want you to know tonight that God is not done with you as an individual if you'll come to him in repentance and faith
tonight I want to challenge you as a married couple that God is not done with your marriage if you'll come to Him in repentance and faith. As a church, I don't believe God is ever done with a church if they'll humble themselves and come in repentance and in faith. And I'm not even going to get into the nation part of it because that's a bigger discussion than I want to have tonight. But I want you to hear that in the middle of your difficulties, be careful who you listen to. Trust that God loves you and has a direction for your life and go to Him. How many times in our trials do we get angry with God? The most famous story in all the Bible comes from a book called Job about a man named Job. And the Bible tells us he had blessings upon blessings upon blessings upon blessings. And Satan says he wouldn't love you if he didn't have all those blessings. God says you can do anything to him except for what? Can't take his life. And he took what? Or his wife. I think sometimes in that story I'd have been praying, Lord, if you take her... Wouldn't have been very godly, but. Now, I had heard, and I can't remember where, the reason that he could not take his wife is the being one flesh. That sounds good to me. Text to back it up. Yeah. Yeah. But it makes sense, though, if you think about it. Sounds good. I can't disagree with it or agree with it. I think it sounds good. But the Bible says that Satan took it all. And there was a person living in Job's house that said what? Why don't you just, what was it? Give up and curse God. Does anybody remember what Job said? Got to speak up. I can't hear you. Got my hearing aid out. It's right here. You got to speak real loud. Talking like a foolish woman. woman. Now, I don't advise you to say that to your spouses. (laughs) But he said, I will not curse God. And some of you tonight, as an individual, a family, or as a church, are at a moment when you've got to make a choice. Curse God and give up. Or say, Lord, you've been with me in the blessings, and Lord, you're going to be with me in the trials. Lord, you've been with me in the abundance. You will be with me in the scarcity. You've been with me in the times of good health. You'll be with me in the times of bad. And friends, we know that the result of that story is it's not about the blessings, but God did what? He restored every bit of it and more. I just want you to say, though, do you think Job ever sat around and thought, well, boy, I don't miss my early children? Sure he did. He's a parent. And so even though God restores, even though God brings victory, don't expect for all the pain to go away. You see, God does great things. God does amazing things. And as we see in this passage of Scripture, to this nation and to these people, He says, you've done everything possible that you could to kick me out, to get rid of me. But I have made a promise to you that I'll be faithful even when you're not. And friends, I want you to know this tonight. If you are a born-again New Testament Christian, no matter what you do, God has made a promise to you that I have put you in the palm of my hand and what can separate you from His love? Nothing. 
You can read that in the book of Romans and you can read there all the things. The Bible tells us in the first, um, the first letter of John um, that those who go out from us, it was made manifest that they were not of us. And he's not talking about church membership here, okay? He, he's not talking about marriage. You can be saved and get a divorce. You can be saved and go to another church. You can be saved and belong to another denomination. That's not what he's talking about there. He's saying for those people who came and called themselves Christians and no longer call themselves Christians, he said they were never saved in the first place. And so friends, tonight I want you to know that if you're a born-again child of God, no matter where you are on your journey with God, He is still with you. And He was with them, and I encourage you tonight to trust Him in the difficulties.